So dear brothers and sisters, I love these Easter liturgies. They are they are very, very special. Uh, they're very, very deep. There's a lot, a lot going on, a lot of symbolism, a lot of meaning in everything. Uh, every little gesture, everything that happens, uh, it's also so filled with meaning and with purpose and with sense. And it's like, like the Lord trying to find every way possible to communicate his love to us. You know, he sort of fill every one of our senses with something that draws us towards heaven. The smell of incense, the sound of our celestial choir, uh, the, 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 the readings then for, for, for our soul, the, the, for those getting their feet washed, that feeling of getting washed, uh, you know, receiving Holy Communion, all filling our senses in every way possible. God wants to get in. He's trying to get into your heart. He's knocking at the door of your heart. He's been knocking at the door of your heart for years. He just wants to get in. He just wants to get in. And it's the strangest thing to see how hard it can be at times to let God in. How, why, why, why is it hard to receive God's love? Why is that so hard? Why is that so hard? Judah spent three years, this is the second half of yesterday's homily because I didn't have time. Uh, <laughs> yesterday's homily I said we're going to make two points and then I made one. So the second point, first of it was talk about betrayal and how, how betrayal isn't just like for others, also we can, we betray the Lord, I betray the Lord. Uh, every time I choose anything over him, I, 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 I betray him. But the second part, which I want to get to, is, is how hard it was for Judas to receive the Lord's love. He, he did, just didn't, didn't know how or didn't want it or didn't think it was necessary or just, I just, it just... It, it was like he was like a stone in the bottom of a river, you know, surrounded by water for who knows how long. A stone in the bottom of a river could be there for hundreds of years. Crack it open, it's bone dry inside. There he is with the Lord for three years. And he just doesn't get it. Three years with the Lord, and, and none of this love has gone in. It's not the Lord's fault. The Lord didn't love him any less. In fact, I think, as we said earlier, the Lord more than likely had him at his side during the Last Supper. Because he was within arm's length of Jesus. So he was he was very close. He wasn't at the edge of the table. So the Lord keeps him close. And it just, it just, it just, it's not going in. The love is not going in. And I was thinking t today uh, about this really frank question, which has been on my mind a bit recently. Like, but, like when we ask, are you Catholic or do you practice or in the census now, you know, what's your faith and all this? And so this question does come up. What, what, what religion are you? But put all, in the, put all that kind of definition of what our religion is aside, I want to go back to that question that the Father Paul asked me when I was discerning my own vocation. He said, do you love the Lord? Do you love him? And it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's a very... It's, it's a very blunt kind of a question because we know what the answer should be. I, yeah, but then, do you? Before, like, you, you, know, you know you're supposed to say, yes, I do, but then just as you're about to say it, maybe you kind of catch yourself going, I know I should say yes, but I just don't think it's true. Do I love, do I love the Lord? Do I? Because if you say that there are consequences to saying yes, or at least, if I say yes, then my, maybe my life is supposed to be looking different right about now. But if I say no, then 
sure, what's the point of my faith? If, I, if I, I've completely missed the point of everything, if I can't say I love the Lord. So what, what, what has happened? How did we miss that? How did I miss that most fundamental point that our faith and everything that we do is supposed to be gira and torno. It's not English. It's, it's supposed to revolve around. Revolve around me loving the Lord. That's what's supposed to be at the center. That's what holy communion is. I enter this, into this holy communion with God. A loving relationship with Him. And so maybe, yeah, maybe it is the case that, that for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, I've been Catholic, doing the Catholic thing and can't honestly say I love the Lord. This can actually even happen as a priest. Where we do our priestly service and you do the priestly thing and do what you're supposed to do and tick the boxes and spend so long working on the harvest that we forget the Lord of the harvest. This can happen. It can happen in marriage too. You spend so long kind of working for your family you forget to actually spend time with them. But actually imagine what a tragedy, what a tragedy it would be for us to go through our, our Catholic lives, if you will, and never actually get to the stage that we love the Lord. You know, where, where we can actually look forward to prayer because I get to spend time with the God I love. Imagine how, imagine how, how differently we'd pray rather than, all right guys, it's rosary time. Ugh. Rosary time. Sound familiar, lads? Sound familiar? No? Back there? No? Yeah? Rosary? Yeah? Let's go to the, off to the, off to the liturgies now and then come or, Oh, liturgies. Alright. Imagine if, because of our love, I get to spend time with the Lord. This is fantastic. This is great. I'm actually looking forward to this. This is good. I get to spend time with him. Fantastic. It's, just, it's so different. Like if, if we love the Lord, if we love it, so why do we have to keep talking about this? Because we, we miss this. We miss this. If we love the Lord, it just changes everything. It changes everything about our marriages and our relationships with, with each other and our, our vocations and our priesthood and how we attend Mass and how we pray. And even maybe where our life is heading. And I think in a way, like there are so many other things that demand our time. So many other things that, that want to pull us away, want to pull away our, our, our hearts, actually, and our attention from the one thing that is important, and that is our love for God, because everything else is going to pass, except that. And it would just be an absolute tragedy if that were to happen to me, if that were to happen to any of us, that we could be living our vocations, priests or lay married, whatever it is, and and never get to the stage where we can honestly say we love the Lord. We love Jesus. Because we should know him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know his heart. And he wants us to let him in. And there's no one who can do that for us. That's, that's, that's our door. And the strange thing about that door is it's got a handle and on our side, it's locked on our side. It's, it's up to us if we want to let him in. And that's why the Lord gives us the priesthood as well. He gives us the priesthood to continue in, in a visible way what the Lord did here uh, in this liturgy, what the Lord did in this, in this Last Supper. 
to, to serve and to direct souls towards heaven, to direct souls towards God, to be a lived example of what it means to live a life with God. That's why we're celibate, because God's supposed to be our number one. No other, no, no other family, you know, wife and children to take care of. My, my full attention is on, on the Lord, and then the, the souls entrusted to my care. That's it. And that's the, why is that important? Is it, oh, maybe I do need to explain this. There's no time. Maybe I don't need to, to explain this to you. Maybe I do. Uh, the reason priests are celibate, the reason religious are celibate, is because this is we, we live here as we're going to live in heaven. That's why. In heaven, we don't get married. None of you will, either. Uh, you won't be up in heaven with your glorified body going, finally, I've got biceps. Hey. <laughs> no, that's not the way it is in heaven. Um, so in heaven, like God is our everything, and we love everybody perfectly and purely for all eternity. Now, obviously, you know who your wife is, you know who your kids are, like, but, but our, our first love in, in, in heaven is God, who we will know like we've never known him here. So this is what the priest is supposed to be. So priests, priest, they live a celibate life to foreshadow that, to, to show what heavenly life is like, that we can live this life dedicated to God and God alone and still be happy. So we have to be happy. We have to have good teeth and use them on a regular basis. Uh, we have to smile. We have to show that we're happy. We have to show that this life, the celibate life, this life dedicated to God is fulfilling. And we have to serve. We must serve. We must serve those entrusted to our care. I kind of, sum, generally when I talk about priesthood, I summarize it and we have, to, just with one term, we have to be a father. We have to be a father. We have to be fathers to those whom the Lord entrusts to us. That's our guiding kind of principle. How would a father behave now? What would a father do? If I do that, then more than likely I'll be a good priest. And if I don't, then I'll be a good administrator or whatever. It's not what we're called to be. We're called to be fathers. And remember Fulton Sheen wrote in his book, Priest is Not His Own, uh, he said, the devil could actually appear as a priest. The devil could even act as a priest. The devil could even be a priest, if you will, in that the devil has a fairly good knowledge of scripture. He's fairly intelligent. So I presume he'd be a very good speaker, preacher, with his serpentine semantics. Serpentine semantics. <laughs> uh, I presume he, yeah, he could do a lot of things. He could do a lot of things very well. But Fulton Sheen notes, he could do a lot of liturgies and all that, but there's one thing he can never do. He will never be a priest victim. He will never sacrifice himself for those he loves. He can preach and teach, and that's all fine. He will not sacrifice himself. His pride will not allow him. That's the difference between a priest who has a priestly heart and a priest who has a priestly title. Their willingness to sacrifice themselves. Their willingness to be a father. So that's why in this liturgy tonight, part of it is the washing of the feet. I remember a couple of years ago when I was obviously in our seminary and uh, it was my chance, my turn, what's a chance, uh, my turn uh, to get my feet washed by uh, the founder of my community, Father Paul. And I just felt absolutely awful. I, I completely get Simon Peter. 
I was like, Father Paul, you don't, you don't need to. It's okay. I'll take care. I've actually washed them this morning. Um, I've been sweating all day thinking about this moment, but I'm, I'm not, they're fine. They're fine. Just give me. You know, like you just, you'd be thinking, just, oh, there's just no need. I mean, you're a good man. These are my feet. <laughs> like, you don't deserve that. You know, and this is, you know, it's a similar idea to what Simon Peter is saying, Lord, look, you don't need to, you don't need to wash my feet. And the Lord says, but if I don't wash you, you can have nothing to do with me. Then I love saying, I love Simon Peter. Well, in that case, wash my head and my hands too. And then Jesus, you can imagine Jesus with that kind of chosen smile. Peter, if you've had a shower, you're not dirty. That's not what I'm talking about. You're clean. Though not all of you are. So this is why that part of the liturgy is so important. Because it communicates to us in a, in a very visible manner religious life of priests or bishops what they're supposed to be how they're supposed to see their vocation and live their vocation as servants as fathers as men who sacrifice themselves for their people and so now as we move to that most sacred part of our liturgy we ask the Lord now to help us understand why this is happening why this is part of the liturgy the Lord shows us that he loves us so much that he gives us the priesthood to be his visible representation here on earth. And he serves them so that they, the priests, will serve you, will serve his people. May the Lord renew our minds and hearts. May he renew the hearts and minds of all priests that they might know their great call to live and to die like Jesus for love of their people. Amen.